So I want to share with you something I'm really bad at, one of the things I'm really bad at, um, and that's waiting. I, I'm sure that no one can relate to me. I am I'm really bad at it, especially when I don't know exactly when something's going to happen. We're in the middle of this series that we've called Into the Unknown, where we've been looking at this man named Abram or Abraham and really seeing how so much of his life is really dealing in the unknown. And here's a quick recap in case you've missed any of it. About 2,000 years after God created everything, God comes to this man named Abram who isn't worshiping him, isn't following him. In fact, he's following other gods. And basically he tells him, that, hey, I want you to leave everything that you know, and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. And, and he said, and, he, and then he promises, God promises Abram three different things. He promises, one, that he's going to make a great nation out of him. There's going to be a lot of people that come out of him, and they're going to be this nation of people. And, and then he promises him that he's going to make his name famous. In other words, a lot of people are going to know who you are. And then the third thing he promises is that everybody on earth is going to be blessed through him. Those are huge promises. However, there's a, a little bit of a, a challenge in this, at least from the standpoint of Abram, when it comes to this. You see his, he and his wife, Sarai, which, who later will become known as Sarah, um, haven't been able to have children, and they're way advanced in years. In fact, at the time that God comes to Abram or Abraham, he's already 75 years old and his wife Sarai is 65. Like that's beyond the time where you have kids. So God doesn't tell Abram where he's going. He doesn't tell him how he's going to accomplish all these promises and he doesn't even say when all of this is going to take place. Honestly, if that were me, I probably wouldn't have done it. Like, I, I have a hard time, like, needing to know the details. I, I kind of want to know what's going to happen. Like, what, what am I going to do? Like, at least give me some kind of clue as to what is happening here. But Abram, he believes God, and he does exactly what God tells him to do. And, and God leads him to this land that he's promised him. And then once Abram arrives at this land, God enters into this covenant more than just like a contract. It's an agreement that God makes with Abram, this, this binding agreement that can never be broken. And, and basically, he tells Abram that he's going to make his descendants as many as, as many as the stars in the sky and that they will inhabit this land that he's promised them. And then God himself will be Abram's God. He's going to be the one that he will follow. And once again... Abram believes God, and the scripture says that God counts that as righteousness. In other words, because Abram believed God, that he was in right standing with God, which is absolutely incredible. And this is where we pick up the story this morning, and we've already heard a part of it. We're going to read it again together, Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. So go in to my servant. 
It may be that I shall obtain a child by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. It's been ten years since God first came to Abram and told him to leave everything he knew and promised him that he would make him a great nation. Like ten years. And their status as parents hasn't changed in that time. And there's no updates coming. I got back this past Friday from a trip I took to the Midwest, and I was thinking about, like, when your flight gets delayed. Like, everybody loves that, right? When your flight gets delayed. And I I was just thinking, like, imagine that you get word over the speakers that your flight is delayed. You go up to the counter, and, you, and, and they said, I'm sorry, sir, your flight's been delayed. And you ask them, so when is the next flight going out? Oh, we've got another flight coming out soon. Okay. And you go back to your seat, and you wait a half an hour, and you go back, and you ask the same question. Your flight's coming in a little bit. Okay. You go back, you wait another 15 minutes this time. And, and you go back to the counter, and it's like, I'm sorry, sir, your flight will arrive soon. And you keep doing that. Like, at some point, you're going to try to take some action, right? And that's kind of where Sarai is. She's waited 10 years for this promised child, and still there's been nothing. And it was not uncommon in that culture for a person to take a servant and them have a child and then they would become their child like that was pretty commonplace and that's what Sarai decides to do she's going to give her servant Hagar to Abram so that she can have a child that then Sarai will claim as her own but this isn't God's plan have you ever waited 10 years for something to happen I'm not, I'm not just talking about something that you hope for or dreamed that would happen, like a trip to Hawaii or, you know, someday being your own boss. I'm talking about something that somebody has promised you would happen. What, what generally happens when we have that situation? We tend to grow impatient. We tend to start to doubt or even maybe lose some hope or we may even begin to wonder, did we really hear them right? Or, or maybe they've forgotten about us. Or, or maybe even we decide to take matters into our own hands. And that seems to be exactly what's happened here. And this time it's Sarai. You know, obviously Abram shared this promise that God has made to him, this covenant that he's entered into with him. And, and she's starting to doubt And it's not just Sarai, it's also Abram. Abram is starting to doubt as well. And he's starting to wonder himself. And out of their doubt, they do what sometimes we all do when things don't happen when we expect them to. We begin to, we sometimes listen to the wrong voice. You see, first of all, Sarai listens to her own voice. It's what we tell ourselves. Her voice tells her that it's been too long, that this will never happen. Her voice tells her that 
actually God is causing this. Like she puts the blame on God. Her voice tells her that it's time to take charge and make this thing happen now. And here's the truth. We aren't much different than her. Our voice is the voice that we listen to the most. We spend most of our days talking and listening to ourselves. We do it all the time. We don't even, aren't even aware of it. How many conversations during the day we actually have with ourselves. In fact, we live in a culture that encourages us to do this. It tells us that we need to listen to ourselves more. We need to trust in ourselves. And we need to follow our own heart. Who've heard, who's heard that before? But this is the opposite of what the Bible says. Like Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says this, tells us this. It says the heart is deceitful above all things. And, and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? So why is the heart deceitful and why is it desperately sick? Because of what sin has done to us. It has taken and twisted our hearts and our desires from focusing on loving and trusting God to focusing on loving and trusting ourselves. And then Jesus comes along and he frees us from the bondage of sin. He, he frees us from the bondage of the desire to satisfy and please ourselves. He frees us from the bondage of trying to fulfill our, fulfill our, our desires and things that can never fulfill our desires. And when we say yes to Jesus, God in the person of the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in us and he continually points us to Jesus. He continually reminds us about Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us. And then he refines us and makes us more like Jesus. And basically what the Holy Spirit does is he begins to untwist that desire away from ourselves and put it back to where it was originally designed to be on God himself. But that's not the only wrong voice that's listened to here. You see, because Abram, instead of listening to God, listens to Sarai. That's what he does. He never asks God if this is the plan or if this is his way. He just does what Sarai tells him to do. So he just listens to somebody else. And sometimes it's hard to discern. Because I believe that God does speak to us through other people. So if God speaks to us through other people, how do we know that it's God's voice and not just somebody's opinion? Well, let me suggest two primary ways that we can know this. The, the first one is this. Does what you're being told contradict the Bible? Does it contradict the Bible? Because we believe that the Bible was inspired by God himself, and even though it was authored by different people, God in the person of the Holy Spirit actually wrote what we read. And so God never contradicts himself. And so if, someone, if, so if what someone is telling you contradicts what is written in Scripture, it's not from him. It's not from God. And the second one is very similar. But is what you're being told consistent with following Jesus, what he taught who he was, and what he did. 
Because first and foremost, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're supposed to follow him. And if there's something that someone tells you that's inconsistent with what we see in the life and the teaching and the way that Jesus lived, then it's not from God. And, and if there's some confusion, like it's just on that gray line, like you're not really quite sure, just pray. Ask God, is this really from you? Is what this person's telling me really from you? Ask him to give you discernment. And if it doesn't seem right, then don't follow it. The story goes on. Verses 4 through 6. And Abram, and he, Abram, went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave you my servant to embrace to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to, do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. You, you kind of get the impression from this, when you put the pieces together, that like, Hagar got pregnant like really fast because we know that Abram was about 85 when all of this takes place and at the end of this this uh, chapter we find out that Ishmael or her son that's going to be born is he's 86 so do the math I mean it happens really really fast and, and sometimes when we listen to the wrong voice and we do what we've heard we see fast results and we think that we've made the right decision. It's kind of like getting instant gratification or affirmation. And it feels good in the moment. But then the wheels fall off. Like they do here. You see Hagar, she feels superior to Sarai. Like the servant now has become the master. At the very least she's looking down on her. Because now she's been able to do something that Sarai has not been able to do which culturally was super important then. And then Sarai turns around and gets mad at Abram. <laughs> and Abram, he's just confused. And he just kind of relents and gives it to Sarai. And Sarai turns around and abuses Hagar and she flees. It, which leads us to the second thing we see here, that following the wrong voice has consequences. Proverbs 16.25 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the way to death. And while this particular story doesn't lead to physical death, it definitely leads to some relational death. What they've, what they've done here has broken down relationships between Sarai and Hagar and Sarai and Abram. And, and when we follow our own way or when we listen to the wrong voice, we deal with the consequences of that. We know that something's going to break. Sometimes that happens in ourselves. Like for Sarai, she's feeling the weight of this decision that she's made. She's feeling the contempt of Hagar. And sometimes we can have regret and we wish that we had done things differently. We can live under the weight of shame and we can live under the weight of guilt because of the wrong voice that we've listened to. It, but it also affects how we relate to one another. 
it leads to conflict, it leads to the blame game. Like, it was your fault that this happened. Or, or it also even clouds how we view the other person, just like Hagar was feeling superior to Sarai, and Sarai feeling like Hagar was holding her in contempt. But, but what about Hagar in all of this? Like, she feels like, or she seems like she's a pawn in all of this. Like, she's caught up in this drama of all of the wrong choices of Abram and Sarai. And I think what we see next is God's response to her. Verses six, 7 through 16. The angel of the Lord found her, that's Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness. The spring is on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. <laughs> the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for a multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well has been the well was called Bir La Ra Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called his name the name of his son, who Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was eighty six when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. You see, Hagar's pregnant, she's rejected, she's alone, and she's trying to make it back to where she came from. She's on her way back to Egypt. That's why sure is important because it's on the way back to Egypt. And like I said, she's been caught up in this mess, this tangled web of choice, the choices of others. And it's led to some suffering for her. And maybe, maybe you can relate to that this morning. Maybe you've been caught up in the bad choices of someone else and you're feeling hurt, you're feeling betrayed, you're feeling alone, or maybe even unwanted. I love the question that the angel asks, like he doesn't know the answer to this. Where are you coming from and where are you going? In those two questions, the first question, where are you coming from? In other words, what has happened to you to bring you to this place? Like what hurt have you experienced? And the where are you going, like, what are you planning to do because of the hurt you've experienced? Like, what is your response going to be? And I love the fact that in the midst of these questions, God meets her right there between where are you coming from and where are you going? God sees us 
and he hears us in the midst of our hurt. God sees us and he hears us in the midst of our hurt. God initiates this interaction with Hagar in the midst of her hurt and feeling lost and meets her right there. And what's Hagar's response to this? She doesn't have a relationship with God. That's Abram. But she knows that God himself has seen her and he has heard her. She calls God the one who sees me. This is, this is more than just like, hey, Jimmy, I see you here on the front row. Like, this is, like, he knows me. Like, knows me deeply. And, and the well that is named here means of the living one who sees me. The God who sees me. And God tells her the name of her son will be Ishmael, which means God hears. Letting her know that she has been heard by him in the midst of her hurt. God sees us and he hears us in the midst of our hurt. He knows us. Whether it is something that we have brought on ourselves or has been brought on by the actions of others. There's something that's super interesting about this interaction that God has with Hagar. And it's this. This is the only place in the Old Testament where God says the name of a woman. Now, that may not be a huge deal to you, but Understand that this culture was a very patriarchal culture, like it was very male-centric. And, and everything, all of the stories that you read center around males. And God himself speaks her name. This is huge. Not only the fact that she's a woman, but she's not even in the lineage and the blessing of, of Abram. <laughs> What's really cool is that there's another story where God... And the person of Jesus has a conversation with a woman at a well. It's found in John chapter 4. And, and he meets with this woman who is a Samaritan woman. And if you're not familiar with what that means, basically, she was considered an outcast by the Jewish people. And Jesus was Jewish. And she, she would have been considered an outcast. And, and she was a woman. Again, patriarchal culture and not only has she been an outcast by the Jewish people she's an outcast by her own people like her own people have rejected her she's in the well at the middle of the day because she can't be seen with other women she's looked down upon because of the things that she's done and Jesus initiates a conversation with her which crossed all kinds lines and Jesus sees her and he hears her in the midst of her hurt he knows her and he loves her in fact what's super cool about the interaction that God and the person of Jesus has with this, this Samaritan woman at the well is that she is the very first person that he ever reveals actually who he is that he is the Messiah 
and then she believes him. What this shows is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he meets us right where we are in our hurt, in our pain, in our struggle, and he sees us, and he hears us, and he calls us by name. Wherever you find yourself this morning, know that God sees you. Know that God hears you. If things are going well for you, that's awesome. God still sees you, and he hears you, and he is with you. But maybe this morning you're just barely hanging on by a thread. Maybe you're hurt. You're lost. You've lost your way. You're feeling lonely. You're feeling rejected. And you're not sure where to go. My hope and prayer for you this morning is that you will know that God loves you. He wants you to turn to him to trust him, to be in a relationship with him that's been made, made possible with Jesus, to know that he is good and that he is the God who sees you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are the God who sees us, that you are the God who knows us, that you know our brokenness and our mess, you know our hurt, you know our pain, and you meet us right there. Father, even when we listen to the wrong voice, even, though we're, even when we deal with the consequences of listening with our wrong voice, you are the God who's there. Father, I just pray that right now that you would meet us where we're at, whether we're exploring you or whether we've been journeying with you for a long time. Father, I pray that you would just continue to point us to who Jesus is. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.